Happy Labor Day. I cannot believe that this episode is finally premiering. Honestly, it was a long time coming. And when I say that, it's because I reached out a while ago, but Mike was obviously very busy. He was still under contract with ABC. And then um, he and his manager were nice enough to like still agree when, you know, his contract came up and we had just the best conversation and I'm just I can't believe that I am sharing this with y'all and I knew I had to to share it as soon as possible Um, and I also just think it was a really like I mean aside from the fact that obviously I'm a huge Bachelor fan I'm a huge Mike fan it was just like a really amazing conversation and I think that we have like what we talk about is so in line with my mission with Sauce in the City and just being open and vulnerable and I think you all, regardless of whether you watch The Bachelor or not, will love this episode. Um, But before I dive into it, I wanted to give a shout out to one of my sponsors, um, Sakara. I am so obsessed with them. I actually just got my like first meal plan with them. So because I've just been um, so far using the Sakara Boutique um, items, but I started like the three day program and it was so good. You can even, so what happened was one shipment went to my parents' house and then one went to mine. So my parents also had them and we were all like reviewing the, um, different, uh, like lunches and dinners and like giving a little feedback and it was kind of fun, but like the, was it? it was like the burrito bowl was so good and oh my god there was this like rose muffin for breakfast that was honestly like so delicious I can't even describe it and it was it was so good so I am so obsessed with them even more now it also just like I don't know it really makes me realize how even eating like you know three meals in a day wow this sounds like so ridiculous talking about it in retrospect but like I used to be so afraid, like this sounds crazy, but I used to be so afraid of eating three meals a day because I, you know, was just in the completely wrong mindset and it shows that like, I don't know, it was just like really like they're really filling, but they're really healthy and they're just like all nutrient dense and I just felt so great um, after the program and I'm just obsessed. So again, uh, before I, I'll stop rambling about how delicious every meal was, but you can go to um, cigar.com, sign up for anything, order anything, and use the code XOZOE, and you'll get 20% off. So again, that's XOZOE, and you'll get 20% off. Um, I just highly recommend it. I can't stop thinking about that rose muffin. It was unbelievable. I miss it. Um, anyways, without further ado, here is Mike Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace and the City. 
today I am freaking out because I am here with the one and only fan favorite contestant of Hannah Brown season of The Bachelorette, Mike Johnson. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. It's been a long time coming, but it's so worth the, so worth the wait. <laughs> it has been a long time coming, but we're finally here. We've made it. Um, this is what makes everything that much more special, the anticipation. Exactly. So for a little background information, um, if you don't mind just going over where you're from, how old are you, where'd you grow up, what's your story? Yeah, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm from Grand Prairie, Texas. Uh, I joined the military at 21 and then got out and then got a fell in love and got my heart broke and then uh, decided to try and find love on reality TV and that didn't happen and Ever since then, I've been on a quest to use my platform for the greater good and try to let people know how special every single individual one of us are and that we all have something to offer the world. I love that. I I always forget that you were in the Air Force. Yes, I was. I was. And then what were you doing uh, prior to going on The Bachelorette? I was a financial advisor uh, here in town, here in San Antonio. That's where I live at. Pretty nerdy guy, uh, working my butt off trying to, you know, build a, a legacy for my future family that I would have. Yep, I also work in finance. Uh, what? When's your birthday? Um, December twenty seventh. I am a Capricorn. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Hardworking. I thought I was a Capricorn moon until the other day when I recorded with an astrologer and he said that I did my chart wrong. So I was pretty sad about that. Why didn't? When is your birthday? I am September 21st, so I'm a Virgo. Virgo. Beyonce's a Virgo. I know. <laughs> it's something to brag about. <laughs> um, and it's also an Earth, Wind, and Fire song. So the 21st night of September. There you go. That is true. But enough about me. <laughs> um, so you were a financial advisor. And what made you decide to apply for The Bachelor? Um, yeah, I, uh, I was at work and I had just like threw my phone down one day and my friend was like, what's wrong with you? And I simply said that I want to, you know, be in love. I want to spend life with another. I'm tired of just like, I just felt that I wouldn't find my, my, my lady in San Antonio. And my friend was just dying laughing at me. He was like, bro, girls like you, you tripping like, why would you want to be in a relationship? And I was like, because I'm a grown man. Like, I don't want to play the field or whatever. And then he was just laughing at me for like 45 minutes. Uh, but he, after he stopped laughing, whatever, like six months later, he sent me a Facebook uh, event. And it was to try out for The Bachelorette. And I had never, I had watched one episode prior in my life. And that was because my neighbor had like forced me to watch it. Hmm. And you know how everyone does like a bachelor party, like Bachelor of Paradise, Bachelor of Paradise party. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I went to one. Uh, she tells me the Bachelor one day, and that was all I knew about the Bachelor. And when my friend sent me this uh, this invite to go, I was it was on a Thursday. I had nothing else to do that day. I was off work. And so I wore a suit uh, to the casting call because as a financial advisor, I was like, oh, that's in my closet, you know. Um, and I was just myself, and, you know, that, that was all she wrote. Wow, that's so funny that 
you so you had no idea what did you know like what the show was about did you like, i knew the show was about uh the possibility of finding love that's genuinely all i knew i didn't know that hannah brown was gonna be the bachelorette um i didn't watch colton season prior i didn't know who chris harrison was right <laughs> i really didn't until he this is so funny because one of the matt donald he was uh on the season that i was on it was all of us guys just hanging out chris harrison walks in and like a couple of guys are like starstruck. I'm like, what's up, bro? You were like, you you here to find love too? <laughs> Even though he's like, could be her dad. <laughs> ah. um, so you went on seriously thinking like you were ready to get engaged, potentially get married, um, really like there for the right reasons. Um, definitely was there for the right reasons. I wouldn't have gotten married on that day, but if, you know, her and I, you know, felt the connection with each other and felt that it was real and right, then I definitely would have had no problem getting engaged. I probably would have did like JoJo Fletcher and uh, Jordan Rogers, where they got engaged and then they waited three years, you know, before they got married. Or I think they're still not married. I think they're supposed to get married, but, you know, COVID. Yeah, <laughs> classic. But, yeah, I think that's like the the most common you know, result now and most successful result of people in the franchise. Um, but so you get to like the bachelor mansion did you, and you didn't know it was Hannah. No, I didn't even know who Hannah was. Uh, well, no, I knew it was Hannah because like before you get out of the, come out of the limo, they put you in a hotel for three or four days and I was watching TV and it was like on Ellen, it was Hannah Brown. And so I'm like, oh, okay, this is the shit. Um, she's cute. I'm glad she's cute. And then when I, I think one of the things I said when I came out the limo was, oh, wow, you're really cute. And she's like, thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> like, it would be kind of a bad thing, you know, if we didn't find each other attractive from a physical standpoint. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't even know who she was. I didn't know nothing about her character, demeanor. I just truly went in there blank slate. I got to know her for her. Yeah, I think that's definitely the right way to do it. I mean, I know way too much about The Bachelor, so I feel like I would be, like, psychoanalyzing everything and, like, everyone. Um, but were you at all, like, concerned that she was so young? Um, I was 31. She was 24. Uh, Seven-year difference. That didn't bother me because I do, and I have been very open in saying that I put it on Twitter, if you're under 25, I don't know if you're here for the right reasons or something of that nature I had said. Uh, I don't know if you are here for like clout or if you're here for to find love. And I stick by that, but I would hope and I feel, and I know Hannah, I know that she's there for the right reasons and she's the lead of the show. So the people that cast her knew that she was there for the right reasons as well. Yeah. I think I definitely had a change of um, heart about Hannah, like after watching her season, as opposed to just seeing her like alongside other 23 year olds and, um, and Colton season and being like, okay, I'm I'm your age. Like, what's going on here? But um, I will say, I I don't think that. And I mean, everyone's different, right? I mean, I know people that have been married since they were like 19 years old and they're still together. But for me, when I was 23 years old, marriage was not like something that I needed to be in. I needed to find myself and love myself and figure out who the hell I am as a human being. Exactly. I can't even take care of a plant, <laughs> but. I know. Actually, now I can. I'm, I have some basil growing, but, you know. So. There we go. 
So after the show ends, um, how soon did ABC approach you about possibly being The Bachelor? Um, I went on Paradise first. True. And then after Paradise, maybe three, four weeks. Yeah. And then I got a phone call. You know, they flew me out, you know, asked me all those questions that they do to be The Bachelor. Yeah. And I just was a, I'm a very transparent person. Like, I am not robotic at all. I don't care who I'm in front of. I'm going to give you the authentic version of me. And you will walk away knowing everything you need to know about if you want me or not. So we're, when I was listening to actually uh, an episode of some podcast, like some Bachelor podcast or interview uh, with Blake, and he was talking about how he, when they were choosing the bachelor like for Colton season he had a group chat with Colton and Jason and himself and they would just go back and forth being like oh they just told me this and like basically how they were you know saying the same things to everyone were you pretty confident that you were going to be the bachelor um no i said on Lauren Zima that they were going to choose Peter Weber i said it and i was i was right but i knew i wasn't i knew they weren't going to choose me I just felt very adamant that I wasn't going to be the choice. I felt that Peter is a safe choice, and I felt that he looks like what they've had in the past. He looks like The Bachelor. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, it's such a shame for a number of reasons. Like, that season was trash, (laughs) and you are just an amazing human. And, I mean... Peter is awesome. Peter genuinely is a great guy, too. Yeah, I'm sure he's really nice. Just I don't think that season was great in terms of like I didn't really finish it. And I have watched every I don't even know how many seasons I don't really want to count. But um, (laughs) I was like disappointed for a number of reasons. Um, But then I'm, you know, Fast forward, there's like a pandemic and they have to rush choosing the bachelorette and then choosing the next bachelor. Were you ever approached the second time? I was never approached. Um, Yeah, I was never approached to be the bachelor the second time around. I don't know who was approached. I don't know if anyone was approached or if it was just Matt the whole time. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that was safe to say crazy to find out because he was actually my first guest on the podcast, which, uh, cause we're like family friends. And so, awesome. <laughs> right. I know. And when I found out, I was like, um, hello, like, is anyone going to pick this up now? Is that like, I have a recording with him. Like hi, reality, Steve, like check this out. But, um, exactly. yeah, and then, and, but it was just, even though he's an amazing guy, like the sweet, like such a sweetheart, it was so like, random and it just didn't seem like I don't know why they couldn't have just chosen someone who was already on the show and like a part and like I don't know what were your I guess thoughts the same as yours um I know Matt personally I think the dude is like my better looking brother I think that uh his heart is in the right place and I'm extremely happy for him. With that being said, it was extremely peculiar. 
And it's one of those things that only the people that need to know will know how that took place. Yeah. And I mean, I think obviously with like Matt being chosen, it was right around the time when, I mean, it was like ABC pretty much. Yeah. And they pretty much were pushed into, you know, casting the first person of color as the male lead which is, should have been done so much longer ago, but. Well, that's why I find some, uh, that's what I don't like because they can say that Matt is the best person for the position, which I think that Matt is. I mean, I'm pretty damn awesome too, <laughs> but I think that that was wrong, right? I think that was wrong that it had to take, it had to come to such a president for the, our fans that I adore, and I'm like super adore, it makes me smile, to have 160,000 plus petitions, uh, a signed petition for that to occur. That is absolute atrocious. That's BS. And I said that before, and I'm going to be in trouble again for saying it, but that's just how I feel. And because there's been other leads of color that were, or other people of color that were absolutely perfect candidates as well. And so, for them to say that in this time, I think was a, a bit disrespectful uh, because other people of color have definitely been, I mean, I've met them and I've seen past seasons now. I've kind of like a little bit now. Um, and there's been great people in the past. And so I think that was a bit wrong. Yeah. No. With that being said, and the, pers the personality that I have and the perspective that I have, I always think from a, a positive input. And so they've done wrong in the past. They need to fix it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I remember watching Rachel's season and when they were looking to choose the next bachelor, it was like Eric Bigger would be great. I loved him. He's from Baltimore. Have a special place in my heart. <laughs> Love Baltimore. Um, and then they just chose like random Ari. So I think, I mean, it. I hope that ABC going forward looks at this as like, a path in the right direction as opposed to just a box that they had to check. Correct. Correct. No one wants to be felt like, a, no one wants to feel like a box at all. Uh, that's one of the worst things you could do to us, whether it's dating someone and you say, Oh, you're just my, if I say, Oh, you're just my trophy wife. That's not a compliment. You know, it's not a compliment to be like, Oh, like I, when I was being auditioned for the bachelor, I wanted to, I kept saying that, I'm also the first veteran ever. I'm not just the first black person. I would also be the first veteran. I wanted to continue to say that because I didn't want to be put into a category of he's black. So we're going to have per, quote unquote per se black culture spread throughout. Right. I want it to be because I'm a great human being and I love love and want love and desire love. And so, yeah, I agree yeah. with you that being put in a box is like no one wants that. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's also the, I mean, I think lack of diversity on The Bachelor, it's, you know, expands to all races. Like, I have never seen um, a person of Asian, Asian descent really on. And, I mean, I think it comes from the inside, like, too. I mean, I don't know who's producing it besides, like, Mike Fleiss. Sorry, Mike Fleiss. But, like, I don't know. It's, <laughs> there needs to be diversity within the production as well. That's what I, I always say. Uh, I always say that, like, if, if you were to ask me, like, what I think they should do, it definitely needs to be people in the higher, people that actually make the decisions need to be diverse as well. And the reason for that is because if, if I 
have five of my black friends, all let's say five black straight male friends dictating something, we have a narrow point of view, right? If I had a woman, if I had uh, someone that was non-black, if I had someone that was, uh, their sexuality was different, right? If I had someone maybe not from this country, right? It, we build more of an eclectic, beautiful blend. So therefore more people feel inclusive and more voices get heard. So I agree with you there as well. Exactly. It's almost corporate America, <laughs> which I'm a part of. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, like if you have a diverse uh, group of people in HR, your company is going to like be proven to perform better because there's more ideas and more um, more brought to the table. But anyways, that's just me going on a little rant, even though I love The Bachelor and watch it very religiously. And I'm very excited for Matt's season to be like. Matt is going to do awesome. Like, I know his type. I'm not going to say his type because uh, that would be like wrong. I know his type. I know that. I know his heart. And the dude's in awesome shape. When he takes off his shirt, his <laughs> IG is going to blow up. Like, it's, he's just a great individual all around. Yeah, and actually, I, I kind of know his type for, because I definitely asked him about his uh, love life on the podcast. So if anyone's listening, you can re- listen to that episode too afterwards. Plug. Um, <laughs> little, love it. little plug to myself. Um, but anyways, obviously this is a mental health podcast. And yes. um, I'm, I'm going to kind of like divert to get to my point because I actually this morning was reading an article that was so interesting and I thought I would um, a little bit about it. Um, basically, I mean, with the death of Chadwick Boseman, rest in power, like amazing human, I was curious to see if he had ever spoken out about mental health. And so I did a, like a little research, but I came upon this article and it was talking about how like having positive representations and um, having people reflect their diversity of what they can be an experience like really has is a protect um, can be a protective against depression and anxiety that stems from negative images. So it was from whenever the Black Panther came out and it was talking about how there was a correlation between like positive mental health in the black community um, and the, pro- the production of this film, which is, you know, all about, empowerment and not showing negative representation or of that and so I was like curious to hear your thoughts about your experience with mental health and specifically um you know what this means Wakanda Wakanda it means uh love yeah 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 it means love and so I thought that was really cool I didn't know what it meant exactly on the show I just like after, after the movie in 2018, I was like, what, is that, what exactly does this mean, a sign? And it means love. And so I thought that was a really cool thing as well. Oh, so it really means that it's not just in the show? Yeah, yeah it means love. Oh, okay, I love that. Yeah, I thought it was pretty dope. Um, I think that representation absolutely matters. Like, that's why, I mean, it was such a huge... I was just talking, it's funny. Uh, I'm a mentor with Big Brother Big Sisters. Oh, and yeah. The day before we found out Chadwick Boseman passed away, I was talking to my mentee, who's a 13-year-old black boy, about the movie. And he said he didn't like it that much. And to me, we had a, a epiphany, which was growing up for me, I never saw a representation of a superhero 
And so this was like such a huge thing for like adults, but kids, they do have a bit more representation now. And so to them, it may not be as big of a deal, which I thought was actually pretty cool. I thought it was cool. It's like right now, I'm not telling no one who to vote for whatsoever. Uh, But simply when we had Hillary Clinton running for president, right? Or we have Kamala Harris as the uh, VP for women, that's like pretty freaking phenomenal to see that, wow, we know we could do it, but we've never seen it. So we, therefore we can have a negative mindset, but now we see it and there's a possibility of it happening. Right. Um, and so not speaking political, but in terms of just having a woman figurehead being that high up in the quote unquote food chain of political system is great for us to see. From my point of view, as a black person, as a black man, I think that, My child, I didn't watch my first movie that was non, that was not predominantly black until I was 21 when I joined the military. Wow. That's one reason why I love the military because it taught me so much, opened my eyes up so much. But all my friends from the show, I'm pretty sure they've never watched predominantly all black casts time and time and time again. Right? They may have seen like three movies or less, Friday, Black Panther or something else, right? Um, And so for me, my whole upbringing was from what I watched, from what I saw was black people, black men are athletes, entertainers. That's pretty much it. Right. And so it's pretty cool that I I found so much pride in being a financial advisor. Right. Um, I'm not neither one of those. I'm educated. I speak well when I decide to speak well. You know, sometimes my colloquialisms change uh, based on who I'm talking to just that, you know, keep it honest and have fun. Or if I'm speaking to someone extremely debonair, I'll change my colloquialism, my vocabulary, you know, that way as well. And so I think it's awesome that I'm a mentor and I'm prior to TV, I'm a financial advisor. And so therefore my mentee can see representation in me. I'm not an athlete. I'm six foot four, I'm 225 pounds. So I have the body of an athlete, but I use my intelligence to make a living. Right. And so I think that's, extremely good for all of us to see um not only like it's great that i'm starting to see k-pop right which is like korean musical artists because before then if i was asian what i predominantly see is like i'm an engineer right but now it's like i think that asians are some of the best dancers in the game right now right and i think that's pretty awesome you know so that <laughs> if i was a, if i was an asian kid i'm like oh wow i don't gotta listen to daddy or mommy you know I could do this, you know, or I could do that. And so I think that, I think Steph Curry being a six foot three uh, phenomenal NBA player is awesome because he's not like LeBron James, six foot eight. Um, I think that Brittany, I can go forever. My book, I talk about a lot of these examples as well. Uh, Candace Shields, uh, she's a a boxer and she's a four-time Olympian, a four-time champion um, in boxing and she comes from Flint, Michigan. I honestly just think that it's like a subconscious thing, right? Um, When I first became a financial advisor, I was the only black. Matter of fact, I was the only person outside of white that was in those rooms, right? And now I have my, my Mexican homies um, and I have way more ladies now and a, a, a few Asian homies uh, and one Indian homie that work at the firm I worked at. Right. And so 
I just think that's awesome. And I think that people looking at us can relate more so. Yeah, it's true. It's all about like that representation. I mean, I was like, I'm passionate about seeing women in STEM because I was mechanical engineers. And so, or like, that's what I started with. (laughs) Then I switched majors a little bit, but still I was in the engineering school and it's um, exciting to see. I don't know. That's what things like that get me excited about the future. Um, Like, I don't know (laughs) if I've I've, like brought this up in way too many um, podcast episodes, but I love how TikTok is. I think, I think TikTok is great for the younger generation because their algorithm is so random that it exposes you to all different types of people from all over. And it just really shows you people that like, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, interact with on Instagram, which is much more curated. And, um, that's very true. So I love that. I like, I call the TikTok generation. I'm excited for them to join the workforce (laughs) and like change the world. Um, that is awesome. I never looked at that that way. That's why I'm, I love that perspective. I really do. Thank you for that. Yeah. If now when you're on, you're gonna be like, wow, I didn't really like notice how random this is. <laughs> now I'm seeing all these people from like from whatever, name your country. Um, but just a small plug for TikTok. I hope you're not stealing my <laughs> my information. <laughs> no, they're good, they're good. Um, so kind of moving on heard this podcast about how you personally um, have been impacted by mental health through the loss of some loved ones to suicide and, and way of self-love into your book. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Uh, I, I have dealt with suicide, I've dealt with murder, um, but then also within my own, me, myself, and I, I've seen counselors I've been to uh, I've had cat scans in my brain I've had a uh, I've had a dissociative state disorder um, so things myself have taken place to where I had to learn how to come out of the, the dark tunnel right and in my book the reason I wrote the book is because quite honestly I've always been taught to if there's multiple problems going on don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. And that's what this book is. This book is the start, I'm not saying it's the one-all be-all solution, but it's the start to a growing pandemic of mental illness. And I truly believe that the steps within my book, the words that I write in my book, can honestly help anybody at any level, at any, any, any cultural background. Um, you know, if one day we print the book in another language besides English, I think that it'll be able to help another person in another country that reads another language, right? And the, the steps that I've outlined within my book are things that I personally have gone through myself uh, that helped me get through uh, tough times. I am, in a lot of people's eyes, doing pretty all right, doing pretty good. But yet and still, every single day, something occurs. Um, and there has been times, I think it was two weeks ago, so where I went through my own book and I had to read one of my monsters. Right, to help me get through a situation that I dealt with uh, in my personal life. And this book is personal stories with, of me, but then also, if you don't know me from the show, I'm happy because 
you don't need to know me from the show to be able to read my book, right? My book isn't like a reality TV personality that decides to write a book. My book is more of someone that I'm building a life and I have studied and I have certifications around um, insecurities, how to overcome them. And this book teaches those things, those principles. That's amazing. And I, I honestly thank you so much for creating something like that because there's just so few men who open up about their emotional side and that's part of the reason for the suicide epidemic in our country and I mean that's why it's so it affects men so much more is because vulnerability is looked at as a weakness and therapy is looked at it as like not even a consideration so having you know someone like you was like you said six foot four and like good looking and like comes off as like the ultimate like man speak about emotions is just so powerful and it really it yeah I mean it's the reason I created this podcast was to really open up the conversation about mental health specifically speaking to men because I think men listening are the ones that he need to hear it the most I love what you said I think that the ultimate man uh, should listen to Brene Brown, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Should read, should read my book. Um, should listen to Bell Hooks. Um, to to be the ultimate man, like as you were saying, needs to learn that vulnerability connects us. Vulnerability is a connector in comparison to a, like you know, the old men back in the day, like they refuse to go to the doctor for not just mental health, but just for any damn thing because they feel like it makes them less of a man. Bro, that that that's stigma you need to let go right i think that i've been able to connect so much more with my fans and my following because i'm going to talk about some real stuff and guess what i'm still going to be what you perceive as a man right i'm still you know there's nothing different about me than the next guy except for the fact that i think that i'm more of a man because i understand vulnerability and the courage that it takes to be vulnerable and the way that you connect on such a deeper level with someone. I mean, at the end of the day, we're human beings and all we want is connection, right? Even the most macho man wants someone to be able to talk to and someone to connect with. Uh, Men get, so this is something that you may or may not know, right? Um, Sexual assault on men is one out of six and it's one out of four within women. And men don't talk about that. They let it happen or not let it happen, but it happens and then they, they suppress that right anything that we suppress comes out in some form or fashion and normally when that comes out it's not in a positive light right and so i know that about myself when i was in my dissociative state i learned that in that moment of time i have to continue to progress in life and a part of progression is being introspective and learning how to deal with those things that have hurt us, right? There are things in my book that, quite honestly, this week I need to have a call with my mom because she just doesn't know all the things that have taken place in my life. And when she reads the book, she's, you know, I owe it to her to tell her prior to everyone else reading it. And so that's a part of having tough conversations is a part of adulthood. It's a part of being mature within self. It's a part of loving yourself. Yeah, 100%. Out of curiosity, when you were writing your book, did you find that 
like that act of putting words into existence therapeutic because that's what I found with my podcast. Like, as you said, I've talked on, I've talked or opened up about things on the podcast that I'd never shared with my parents or yeah. friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I tell my editor, I call it emotional homework. Like when she tells me to go deeper or something, it's exactly what it is. It's, it's extremely therapeutic. When I was writing my book, um, I would write like it the wee hours of the morning because the most of society was sleep in our country or in my time zone, shall I say. And it just gave me an edge. I was thinking, everyone's asleep. No one's listening. I can write and only I hear it or only I see it or only I feel it. And it is therapy. It's very, it's very, it's very therapeutic. I think that what a therapist does is that they don't judge us. They simply listen to us and give us guidance if guidance is needed what i learned in my last relationship is that i have been brought up to be a fixer so if you give me an issue my job is to fix it in comparison to what it should be sometimes i just gotta listen right Mm -hmm. and i think that my book can't talk back to me so therefore it's like the reason we love dogs so much your dog can't talk back to you you can give all your sorrow and pain and hurt into your dog they're still gonna love you just as much as ever and they're not gonna tell nobody and they're they're just happy right and so yeah that's what i think you know art is your art is podcast my art is via my book so far i got something coming out next year too but <laughs> it's therapeutic absolutely i'll say it like that i'll be succinct and say it's therapeutic you're right yeah and it's just then once it like you release it and i know I mean, I'll let you tell when it's coming out, but it's just like, oh, now it's out in the world. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's like uh, I explained it as like the. Have you seen Eight Mile? Yes, love that movie. It's pretty. My, it's my grandma's favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's like Eight Mile. I describe it as when Eminem is in a rap battle and he talks so much shit about himself that the other guy can't say nothing as well or mm-hmm. nothing back. That's what being vulnerable is. It gives you that shield. Because I've said it, I'm going to make, you're a human being, you're going to listen more. And you're going to be like, wow, I haven't gone through that, but I can see what they meant when they said that, right? And and it just connects us more. I mean, that's just what the word is about. You just want to make someone smile. I mean, I'm I'm serious. I I practice what I preach. I, I believe this stuff, you know? Yeah. Wait, I love that comparison to 8 Mile because it's so true. It's like... That's what I was thinking with the podcast and like saying things. I'm like, well, now I don't have to justify anything. Like, yeah, you know everything I just told you. So, correct. What are you gonna it's do? Like, yeah, it's out there now. And what? <laughs> and, that. Yeah, that's just how I feel about it. Hey guys, me again. I wanted to pop in. Um, I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I did recording it because I loved every minute of it. Oh my god, I. I could just relive this moment of my life over and over, but I will shut up and talk about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is another one of my sponsors, and it's just perfect because obviously I love therapy. I talk about it all the time, and I think, no, I didn't mention this episode, or maybe I did. I don't really remember, but I've been working with my counselor, and it's just like really amazing having support like this like I've never had a therapist that I could just text like whenever I wanted to and journal on the same site like there's like a little journal section so I can read my notes like during the week to bring up during therapy um 
message like whenever there's something on my mind and I'm like hey I want to talk about this in our next session it's just so convenient and so great and just therapy is honestly the best thing that it's just the best thing I've ever done and I mean I'm so grateful for something like BetterHelp because in a world where unfortunately therapy is not always covered by insurance and it can be very expensive. It's so great to have an option where you have access to like such incredible counselors who are so well equipped to help you with exactly what you need to do um, at a very reasonable price. So, and on top of that, you can get a discount with my code and um, they even offer, offer financial aid. So again, if you go to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe, you'll get 10% off your first month. I highly recommend it. Even if you just try first month, like just go for it. There's really nothing you can lose except like, you know, a, a din- like the same amount of money you'd pay for like a dinner out in New York City. So really just try and I promise you will gain something because really therapy at the end of the day is just helping you become a better person. So again, that's trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe to get started. 10% off your first month. Please go. Just, I promise you'll be better after. Um, Yeah. Anyways, without further ado, here is the rest of my episode with Mike Johnson. Okay, so I always wrap up with a couple of questions um, unrelated to the show, unrelated to it. Just kind of random, but I'm curious to hear your answers. First question. What's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Um, whew, when I was uh, in the military, there was a young lady that uh, got pregnant and said her child was mine. Um, it wasn't my child, but the the uh, criticism that I got from everyone, um, I really learned that the people at the top had a, they normally go through the most stuff. And when I was in that, in the military on that base, I was a pretty great uh, soldier. And I went through a lot of people giving me backlash, a lot of people just making rumors and it hurt me. I cried. I don't know when I normally cry, but I definitely cried. I broke down. I called my mom. What I learned most is when you are at your lowest and most hurt, the way the steps that you take next are going to be in those moments, you should judge yourself, like in the way that you act um, and make sure that you, you know, you're a stand up individual Yeah. in those moments. Yes. Love that. And you were able to, I think grow from it too. Like, like those moments. Abs- oh God. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. So much growth. Okay. Next question. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? I'm Mike MF and Johnson. <laughs> I love that. Like I want, I want everybody to say that about themselves. Like I want you to say that about yourself. Like this is, I'm Mike MF and Johnson. What's up? <laughs> You don't have a middle name, so it's even better. You can just get that as your, <laughs> just get it legally changed. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to say. <laughs> I love it. Um, next question. What do you love most about yourself? Uh, the fact that I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And the things that I'm not good at, I have no uh, ego around it. 
that's what I love most about myself. It's like self-awareness. Yeah, I would say, yeah, self-awareness and being introspective. Love like that. when I do, when I do something wrong, like just tell me. Do you believe everything happens for a reason? Ooh, I have not been asked this question on the podcast. I have not. Oh. Um, that has been an extremely tough one for me. I'm not going to lie. My, all, every single person that I have in my circle tells me everything happens for a reason. It's a hard one for me. I, I don't, certain things that happen in our world, I say BS to that statement. Um, but, and the reason is because sacrifices have to be made, but no one gets to choose if they're going to be a sacrifice or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I'll say that. Yeah. I don't think everything happens for a reason, but I think that something can be learned from everything that happens. That I agree with completely, completely. I, that I agree with totally. Gus got to flip this, flip the, <laughs> flip the quote. No. <laughs> I can't believe you agree with me on that. No one ever agrees with me on that when I say that. Well, I think it's, I think if you just say everything happens for a reason, it's like a cop out of providing a real, like helpful like solution or explanation. Um, and so it's, it doesn't really help you grow if, if you live by that, but rather look for the silver linings and the shit that happens. Correct. Correct. I mean, you're speaking on perspective, which is, legit everything in the world's perspective right exactly love that question last question is how do you find solace in the city how do i find solace in the city whatever city you're in now it's austin before san antonio i'm in san antonio right now i would say to be honest since quarantine since we can't be around people um just get on one of those little bird scooters and just (laughs) <laughs> right and just ride out literally just smile and be happy in that moment and just be by myself love that well mike thank you so much for coming on this is the best day of my life um where can everyone follow you when can your they buy your book where can they pre-order it from everything yes uh pre-orders i believe i think we have two pre-orders left um, which is on MikeJohnsonSmile.com. Yeah, like literally legit. MikeJohnsonSmile.com. Uh, follow me on IG at Mike underscore Johnson. Uh, my book comes out October 2nd, World Ooh. Smile Day, first Friday in October, making the love that you want. Making the love you want because, baby, it's all about you. Oh, I love that. I love that. It comes out on World Smile Day. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, Thank thanks you again. so, so much. Bye, everyone. <laughs>